This podcast is sponsored by Regatta Outdoors. It's a glorious spring day and you're heading out on a walk. What do you bring with you? A paper map? Plenty of snacks? Well, of course they're important, but any seasoned hiker will tell you that footwear is the first thing to consider. Whether you prefer relaxed rambles or challenging summits, comfortable and reliable shoes are essential. Regatta has waterproof and breathable footwear for the whole family, for every outdoor occasion. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins and I am the host of the podcast. And a warm welcome to a special bonus episode for season nine. Back in April, I had the very good fortune to meet writer and woodsman Rob Penn at his home in the Black Mountains in the northern Brecon Beacons. Rob is a founder of Stump Up for Trees, a charity that helps farmers and landowners include more trees on their land to help biodiversity and tackle climate change. But on his nearby hill, Bryn Aru, Rob has been closely involved in a pilot project to rewild the bracken-covered slopes with native trees. and He kindly agreed to take me out to climb the hill and explain how things were going. We had a lovely adventure among the skylarks, buzzards, ravens and willow warblers. And Rob explained how things were changing in this landscape. And if you like our podcast, please do leave a like and a review on whichever podcast provider you use. Or send me, Fergus Collins, an email at editor at countryfile.com. So you've been busy all this year in lockdown. Yes. uh, Well, not just managing the wood, but planting the wood. Yeah, I'm planting, yeah, a significant planting of wood. Um, So this is the beginning of the common here, Brunari Common, and we're going to walk up. Actually, we go straight onto the plant site. Um... So Bryn Arrow is the hill. Yes. And this is the this is the hill that you have uh, well got hold of really. Um, well, for want of a better expression, you've sort of um, who owns the hill and how do you get to play on it? Well, and, uh, it's it's complicated uh, as you know common land tends to be, and so the we're going hill, up this. Yes, uh, we're going to walk up this very right. steep path here. Fine, fine. And, yeah. And, and this is this is the beginning of the plant site, so it starts here. Oh, okay. So straight yeah. from your, almost yeah. from your door. Almost from the door. So you can keep an eye on your trees. Uh, well, easy. I mean, yeah, and and and, and pray for rain as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll come to that. It yeah. will come to that. Uh, and so it starts here. It goes sort of south to the end of the hill, and then the plant site curls round the end of the hill and comes all the way back down the eastern side of Brunari. So you're not planting on the top of the hill. You're planting round the flanks. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, on the kind of steep steep-sided bit so the the principle is that so it's about a 120 hectare common mm-hmm. and the plant site is about 65 hectares and the principle is that we're planted on the bits where the sheep don't heft there's layers of sort of ownership and land use here yes by the sound of so the owners so. are uh so firm of big, s- big landowners around here, yeah so. big landowners around here so there's the first point was to contact the owners and say would they be amenable to the idea of uh, designating part of the hill to woodland creation and they agreed and then they were very happy actually and very pro the idea and then step two was to get the consent of the commoners so that's the people who have grazing rights on the hill. So these are people who live in the area, not the landowners but they are 
people who own property here, farmers generally? Yeah, all farmers. Yeah. Uh, so the, the commoners' rights attached to property rather than individuals. Yeah. You do? We're climbing a steep hill. Yeah, we are climbing and, a steep uh, hill, yeah. <laughs> so apologies for my lack of <laughs> hill or fitness, but yeah. I've been climbing a lot of hills on the podcast. Yes. Uh, Rob's got a stick, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, just quick description. We're sort of, so we're climbing up. The hill's called Brinaru and Brinaru. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's at the moment, it's lots of looks like smashed bracken everywhere. Yeah. Have you been smashing the bracken? Yeah. So the bracken was cut, so you can't plant. Well, if you planted without doing any ground preparation on the hill whatsoever, and just allowed the bracken to have its own way on the hill you expose yourself to incredibly high chance of all the trees failing. So the bracken would smother, smother the trees. Exactly. So what, what we've, we've observed over the years is it doesn't outcompete the trees during the summer, but when the bracken dies, it obviously falls down oh, hill. Okay. And on the, and the steeper the hill, the further the bracken has to fall, and then it smothers the trees. So that basically prevents so the natural regeneration, yeah. any significant natural regeneration taking place. And in various places on the hill, I mean, where we're standing here, you can see some rowan, a little bit of hawthorn, and, and not, yeah. not ob obvious here, but when we go around the corner, you'll see some birch, which have managed to get away through the bracken. But few, very, very few and far between. Yeah, and it takes years and years and years. It takes it years to... and years and years. So in effect, what we're doing is trying to expedite the natural processes by planting okay. and controlling the bracken. So the old adage is, you know, um, trees, trees can't stand the bracken, but the bracken can't stand the trees. So once you get trees up... So shade is almost the only thing that bracken can't to tolerate right, up here. Okay. And so going back to the graziers, so yes, what has yes. happened over the course of the last few decades is that people have moved here and bought houses with commoning rights attached to them and they don't farm. So those common rights become inactive mm. uh, and you get fewer and fewer numbers of active commoners and then the, the commoners themselves, the active commoners themselves, you know, got into an advanced glass deer scheme whereby they were paid, remunerated a small amount of money to reduce the amount of grazing on the hill. I see, so that's a, that's a subsidy, that's a, that's a government subsidy. A government subsidy. In an un, sort of environmental. Exactly, a sort of agri-scheme, mm -hmm. an early agri-scheme, and an unintended consequence of that is that when you reduce the grazing on the hill, the bracken just accelerates. Okay. When, so I've been living here 18, 19 years, and when we first moved here, there was heather on the top of this hill. And there's no heather now? No, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. And you can see it, the bracken advancing, you know, various points when we get up here. Yeah. We can look south towards Sugarloaf, and you can, I, can, I can show you the lines where the bracken has advanced over the last 20 years. So, yes, yeah. so c cattle not bracken over yeah. often enough for it to give up. Sheep don't. Sheep just a, a sort of edge around it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's tragic. So a lot of these hills should be sort of heather covered. And uh, I mean, just quick, we're looking back from the sort of halfway, well, halfway up, quarter of the way up the slope of Brunaru towards Sugarloaf across a very lovely wooded farmed scene. Yeah. But then you can see the kind of bracken lines on Sugarloaf. And yeah. Obviously, we're in the bracken line here. Yeah. And so you're saying that's been advancing up the hill there. Yeah, and it, it moves around, yeah. and it's inc well, that's just without tree cover, and without cattle to 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 
to knock it over is incredibly difficult to control. Yeah. So there's lots of um, like bamboo poles marking where you planted yeah. hundreds of trees here, by the look of things. Uh, How many trees have you got in so far? So it, north of 120,000. Planted already? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You've been busy. We've I'm been busy. Yeah. you had a lot of help. Yeah, I've had a lot of help. Uh, so, there was a, there was, so the whole... The whole project was initiated by Keith Powell, mm -hmm. who is the farmer here. Okay, so just north up the valley. Yeah, yeah okay. and he is an interesting one because he he's a you know sixth generation Black Mountains farmer, but he's also you know Cambridge educated vet, and he's incredibly green. He lives off grid, and he's an inveterate tree planter, and he's been planting trees wherever he can for twenty five years, and he planted a field at the top here which we'll walk past and I'll show you that and and then he realised you know he got to thinking where he could plant next and he he's the person who made the leap to planting on the common interesting so I mean I've been leaping around a bit let's go oh, talk about the commons so we've yes. got the commoners who have these rights to graze on here they've reduced yes. the grazing which has allowed the bracken to come in and yes. that sort of swamped everything else is that the yes. sort yeah and those commoner, commoners how did they feel about planting trees because presumably you were saying about planting on the slopes so that the sheep doesn't affect the grazing but were they all on board with it early or so i think it wasn't immediate but there weren't so the number of active commoners is down to four. Oh right so yeah. uh, what would it have been in the past then ah uh, you know 20 okay so we're yeah. really yeah minimal numbers and yeah and they've got some sheep on here and they have and we'll see them on the way up yeah. And they, so the number of active commoners is four, but there's still a number of farmers who have commoning rights, who are still, you know, uh, productive farmers, mm. but they don't exercise their rights simply because it's just too much trouble for them and, and they don't see the economic value of it. So, so the whole thing is you release the sheep onto the hills in summer. Is yes, that right? that's Spring, right. Spring, summer. Yep, yep. And they glean enough. Yep forage from the from whatever's growing up here exactly uh, just about just about yeah, yeah. if it's all bracken presumably there's very little for them to eat well there's not there is yeah. not a lot it's true so the concept is that we have fenced off mm. half of the common for 12 to 15 years long enough for the trees to become established and the concept is that then the fence will come down and the full grazing rights will be returned to the graziers right okay whether or not there will still be active grazers in 12 years' time is another thing. I mean, I'm sure there'll still be one or two, but I would have, my best guess is that num the num number would have gone down from four. But anyway, that was incredibly important for Keith to be able to say that to the commoners yeah. in making the case for designating half of the common to woodland creation. So that they would have their rights restored at yeah, some stage. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Will the trees create a sort of grazing well, pasture, it, wood it, pasture? It will. So when it's very steep, and we're talking about 35 degrees slopes. Yeah, this is, this is steep. Yeah. yeah. So, so when it's that steep, as, as I said earlier on, the sheep just simply don't have there. Yeah. You know, they go for the easier bit of the common. So we've picked the steepest bits to convert to, to or Keith has picked the steepest bits to convert to woodland creation. And... When the trees are established and they've shaded the bracken out, that will then become an area where the sheep might like to, to, to roam in. and to heft. Yeah, yeah lovely. So in, in actual fact, what, you know, what you're doing is you're you know, proposing to give the, the commoners more grazing territory back than they had 
a year ago. So so. The bank that we've just walked up, yeah. so particularly the bottom bit, so that is abs- the very steep bottom bit of the common that we just walked up. That it, There's a whole bluebell bank there. But generally speaking, they don't get a chance to show because they've been covered in bracken tilth. And but they survive under the under the bracken. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll remain dormant for decades and decades. And Bluebells, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, and so and I mean, I think foxgloves too. Yeah. So these are all foxgloves emerging. So I'm pretty sure. Well, I read that foxgloves they can remain dormant for a hundred years. Yeah, that's so yeah. interesting about yeah. the, the, the sort of survival of. Yeah. It gives us hope, I suppose, that a lot of the things, a lot of the changes. We, we've made or unintentionally made like bracken is a is an unintentional consequence yeah unintended consequence that somewhere beneath, beneath there there's a seed bank that yeah. is going to uh, restore it, it, well we so we've seen and we may not get that, that that this far today but right over the other side again i'll kind of, yeah yeah just good to grab a little bit of wildlife as yeah we go well along. done sparrowhawk just came off the side of the hill down in down into the woods yeah so there's various up here, and there is that we've just been chased oh, yeah, off yeah, by. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Crow. Yeah, the crows don't like me. No. He's flitting about, but he's not getting a chance to settle. And some linnets coming through. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, and there's a merlin on this hill. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oof, I'd yeah. love to see a merlin. So we, um, we've seen him an awful lot during the winter. Yeah. Uh, and what's really lovely is that when we were planting, kind of. You know, high up on the other side, we were above the Merlin. Yeah. So we, you know, day after day after day, we watched them. You know, thinning out your oh cuckoo. Yeah, from my first cuckoo of the year as well. Brilliant. He this arrived, is great. Yeah, he arrived last week. So on the other side of the hill, and I don't know if we'll get there today. We have noticed that there are some wooden enemies, and that's incredibly exciting. Coming Be- out, uh, yeah. from under the bracket. Yeah. And which so, you know, which we which we cleared last summer, and we can get talk about a bit, bit about that in a minute. Mm. But um, you know, they're indicated species of ancient woodland. So, goodness knows they've been waiting for you to how return long a woodland. Yeah, yeah. Just while we're passing yeah. these bamboo poles, and the, I mean, the, the, the trees are um, quite small at the moment. Yeah, they are the tiniest of saplings. But yeah. what are you planting then on the? Uh, so a, a kind of basically what you would imagine on a Welsh upland, so a lot of sessile oak, mm. rowan, birch, uh, silver birch and downy birch, wild cherry, bird cherry, crab apple, um, hawthorn, blackthorn, and then in some of the very steepest areas, we've done quite a lot of experimentation. We've mm. put in different lengths of trees. These are all um, very small two-year-old saplings here but elsewhere we put in you know one meter birch to you know without clearing the bracken to see if they'll get away we've also planted a lot of willow rods just to see if they'll get away in the very very steep sections of bracken that you can't exactly they're quick going and hopefully they'll create shade and start to shade the bracken out quickly and then you might get some natural regeneration around them yeah okay they might be overtaken by something else once they've done the job exactly once they've done the job yeah yeah. it's really exciting and we're just opening up this lovely view of Monmouthshire, Skirid, um, edge of the Blorange over there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a special place. It's a, it is a special place. Yeah. Um, We've had loads of volunteers up uh, planting. Yeah, as I say, you yeah. haven't done it all by yourself. No, we haven't done it all by yourself. No, no, <laughs> you're, you're Keith no. up here every day. No, no, no. Uh, so there were contractors, you know, at the beginning of winter. Um, uh, and they, they planted a huge number of trees and, and, you know, some of them were good and some of them not so good. And then when social restrictions lifted, 
you know, towards the end of winter, we started to plant with volunteers. And actually, you know, interestingly, this volunteers plant trees really well. Do they? Well, yeah, yeah, really, really well, albeit quite slowly. <laughs> but, but they, but they yeah, plant them incredibly well, well yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a numbers game. So we planted a lot with volunteers. I think we planted 20,000 trees with volunteers okay. in the last sort of six weeks, which has been really lovely. And the, what made me think of that is that, you know, that we've had had every kind of weather up here you know all four seasons in a day as you can imagine but um they've all really enjoyed planting in such a beautiful place with yeah, great views yeah, nice uh, sort of nice lockdown yeah. adventure yeah where you can yeah um you're not using plastic collars on the trees i should add for listeners benefit which is, um... yes so that's a really interesting one and it, you know that was so keith rationalized that very carefully and he's decided to plant without any plastic tree shelters we have used a very, very small number of biodegradable tree guards. Again, that's a sort of test. You know, we've, we've, been, we've been gifted those. So we've got probably 100 tree guards made from sheep's wool and nut oil. And, and, and they're, they're on the hill. You know, they're, they're still at the experimental stage. Will they last three to five years? Don't know. And we've used some you know, cardboard tree guards. And will they last? We don't know. But... Keith calculated that it was 20 tonnes of plastic that he would have had to bring up here. Yeah, and then that's and, got to come down again, yeah, and it'll come down and, at its own volition. Yeah, and quarter of a million plastic cable tyres. Yeah. So he's overplanted here by 25 30%. And, you know, so, so if we lose 25% to rabbits and voles in the first five years of the tree's life, then we're still at par, yeah, but you hadn't had to use any plastic. Um, Deer? Any deer here? So that's an interesting one. So, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of this, but, um, you know, deer never used to cross the A465, which is a major road down there. Yeah, yeah. So you just never saw deer I've in the Black I've never seen Mountains. deer in, you know, living on the Blorange. I never saw a deer. found occasional droppings. Yes, but, that's uh, right. So it's, it's a curious one. And so I think up until about 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, I'd seen two deer here in... In 17 years, and now you see them kind of once a month. Really, roe deer, they've heard about the and, project. And yeah. fallow. And fallow deer as well. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think, so as I understand, and we've seen muntjac droppings. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, there's a lot yeah. of... But, so on the other side of the hill, you know, that the bit that runs through uh, Cody Kerrig. Yes, I know, know, yeah, yeah. For yeah. a beautiful piece of, contigu- contiguous piece of woodland all the way through that valley. They like they like there. So they're, they're happier yeah. down there yeah. and they might not come up. So. As I understand it, if you're seeing, you know, individual deers or, or deer or pairs, you're okay. When you start seeing herds, that's when you've got a problem okay. with, with browsing. Okay. Uh, so there's a willow he's taken. And that's, that's a planted yeah. willow. That's a planted willow. Yeah. So they're just rods, sabre planted, just straight in. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see a few down there, oh, yeah, and we're okay. hoping that they'll create the shade. You've got a little dell here, yeah. a little sort of groove. Was this man-made? This is this quarrying or something, I or is it, it just a natural? I, I don't know the answer to that. But I think it probably is. Yeah. So there's lots and lots of quarries on the hill. Okay, so you can imagine. Yeah. Right, interesting. Yeah. It's a notch in, in the side of there. Yeah. It's a very um, distinctive hill. It's not one of the biggest Brecon beacons, Brinaru. It's kind of, but it does. It's a classic whale back shape yes it's, yeah, it's absolutely right it's a lovely way of putting it well back and there's a rowan he's leafing quite yeah. well <laughs> yeah so the bracken's so resilient already it's sort of springing through already but, yeah but you've you've 
Gosh, I've got so many questions. A couple of quick funding the project. Is it public? Uh, so it's really, it's a really good question. It's actually relative to kind of woodland creation in other places. It's expensive because of the ground preparation involved. Yeah. Uh, so the trees all came from Mylaw, which is a big nursery in sort of Shropshire, Whitchurch, Cheshire, mm -hmm. just inside Cheshire border. And they're all local seed provenance. So you yes. probably know this, but you know, the United Kingdom's divided up into seed zones. Yes. So you okay. can ring your nursery if they if they adhere to the guidelines. Right. So we are on the border here between three seed zones, which is 303, 304 and 403. Okay. And they're actually quite large seed zones, mm. but you, you, at least you know that you've got local provenance. So you ring the nursery and you go, I'd like 10,000 sessile oak 303, and they can deliver you those. And they'll be, and they'll be breeding those, yeah. Because yeah. I... I um... Uh, um, my neighbours were here and they, they brought back a load of sprouted acorns, which we took some of them off. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, so we've got some of your acorns. Oh, great, great, great. <laughs> so, uh, yes, so we're trying to propagate. I mean, the, the local seed provenance is a really interesting one. It definitely, the science definitely suggests that you get higher rates of survivability, which is important to us. Mm. And, you know, when you're planting in this kind of number and, and then, you know, you're also preserving local genetic material, which yeah. is good future diseases so and yeah. how are you funding all of this so the funding is incredibly complicated so <laughs> <coughs> keith applied the bank so robberies were successful the bank robberies i mean you really do you need to rob a swiss bank to pay for this uh so the it, it's i think it's a quite a good example of the sort of blended funding yeah. that is required to make a project of this sort of scale economically viable mm. so planting in the uplands because of the bracken is expensive you have to control the bracken yeah. you can't just put the trees in you know yeah. buy them at 50p each and then put them in and walk away you know to make sure that they get established is a long-term project so uh Glastier woodland creation scheme welsh government uh, woodland creation scheme they they have funded the plant and that and the, there is a maintenance payment which is paid to the commoners association every year for 12 years that doesn't really realistically come close to paying for the whole thing. Yeah. So there are two other important things. So one is, well, actually, we've borrowed know-how from many organisations, but Woodland Trust provided a, a, what is effectively a grant for ground preparation mm. and for some equipment. And then significantly, and this is the bit that I think will, will, will be important going forward, Woodland Creation Projects all over the United Kingdom, the carbon credits... To the trees have been sold. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So explain a bit how that works, if you don't mind. So, a, I, I don't mind talking. It, it's it's it, it's relatively complicated, but we chose Route One, which is the simplest route, yeah. which is selling the carbon credits to the future carbon credits to a broker called Forest Carbon, and Forest Carbon is, is you know one of the oldest, most established carbon brokerages in the United Kingdom. So they buy the carbon credits from you and then they sell them to somebody who needs them. Who needs, needs to show to their environmental them. credentials. Correct. So actually, they've been sold dog to... A dog having a rummage in there, yeah. There's all sorts of wildlife in this sort of trench here, yeah. just on the edge of the common. He's, he's always in there. So the carbon credits were eventually sold to a company called Utility Warehouse. And they wanted to offset some of their emissions and, you know, 
embolden their environmental sustainable governance policy and their corporate social responsibility policy. So you're doing their work for them in yeah. some ways, yeah, 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 in, in, yeah. A, in a brutal sort of shortcut. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they've well, been... Great for you. Great, great. And I think if, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a viable way of funding all sorts of conservation initiatives in the United Kingdom going forward. So if I understand it correctly, you know, there's, there's a very well-established carbon market now, but talking to other people involved in conservation, it seems that various other markets are going to come alive within the next decade, and they include natural flood management markets. Oh, so uh, these environmental services that can be traded around. Ecosystem this, services yeah. trading, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think we need, you know, if, if, if you're interested in planting trees or conservation in many forms, I think we will have to look to the private markets to fund it going forward. So what's your motivation deep down for this? Is is, is it the conservation side of things? Do you want to see in your lifetime big landscape change? Or is there a a commercial aspect at some stage? Uh, I'm not really interested in the commerce of it. For me, it's it's all about biodiversity. So get some life back on the hill. Yeah, Okay, yeah. And what are you expecting? So so Bracken tolerates incredibly limited biodiversity. Yeah, Yeah. And... So that woodland you can see there, down so, in, Rob's yeah. pointing down into a sort of—it's a—it's a deep valley. It's the sort of what do you call this valley here? Uh, the the Aru. So this Aru stream. Yeah. Yeah, and that little piece of woodland there is called called Coed Cumbrian Aru. Mm. So this is Cumbrian Aru. Yeah. Okay. And that woodland, you know, by, my best guess is that those trees have never been cut down. So it's incredibly steep, and there are huge number of veteran trees in there oak and sweet chestnut and you you you, you walk in there the bird life is just quite extraordinary mm. and it, there's only a few hectares of it but it's absolutely magical place and no one has lifted a finger in there for a long period of time uh, and so you've got a huge amount of deadwood and fallen trees mm. it's incredibly species rich and you know the dream is that in 300 years time this will be the same this yeah. will be the same yeah. so you're like a victorian tree planter here oh, well, you're, you're, not, expecting, bit, yeah. you're yeah. not expecting to see the results entirely in your lifetime but, oh uh, no unfortunately you'll see something but, i mean you'll see the trees yeah. emerge yeah but um no i think it'll be it'll be long past me when, before it really happens um Bryn Aru, uh, Bryn is obviously hill, or there's lots of words for hill in Yes. Welsh, but Aru, do you know what uh, So, the, 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 you know, as with lots of Welsh words, the verdict seems to be out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funding the kind of um, investigation, but, yeah, as you say, yeah. probably quite difficult to pin down exactly. Yeah. Aru probably yeah. was a... a, a a man's name. Oh. Yeah, quite possibly. So there is there's some speculation it might mean steep. <laughs> Another <laughs> word for steep in yeah, Welsh. Exactly. Yeah. I think I've been making a list of uh, words for steep. Yeah. <laughs> steep and crag and Yeah. Uh, but that, that resonates with me as I plod up here. Yes, it's quite a yeah. quite a walk to your workplace. It really it? is, it does even out in a minute. So there's a cairn here, which is very beautiful. Is yes. This, is this an old one, or is it one that... So it's old enough. I mean, I think not, not very, very old. And we do, I've never quite worked out what this... There's a huge amount of, you know, sandstone uh, litter here, you might yeah. say. And I, the, the best guess that Keith and I have had is that, is that it was used as a place to sort stone. So there's various quarries on the top 
and they, we think that they may have bought it here just to sort through what was usable and what was not. Right. And and they took the good stuff and left the left the trash. Yeah, left yeah. the trash, and then took that down for the walling and mm. and, and house building and whatever else. And someone's built a cairn from the exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a little beehive shape. Yeah. Um, so I know my wife has contributed to that over the years. <laughs> Eighteen years. Ago. Yeah. Uh, another huge patch of this. Um, Wild mint here. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, gosh, I've never seen so much. Yeah. Uh, And Uh, yes, that's really nice. And holly laden with berries. Yeah. Curious. There's one here. There's one on the other side. Uh, That one. That one there's still got a few. I do not know why. Because they would be plundered by field fairs and. Quite extraordinary. And if you think that last autumn, do you remember last autumn was very advanced? Yeah. You know the Rowan basically came out in berry in august yeah. and they'd lost all their berries by november the birds had them. yeah and the birds had had them and then when the field fairs and, and you know and others arrived i was really worried that they'd be short of yeah. you know uh because the natives had had them all, yeah, yeah because autumn had been so early yeah, yeah, yeah and and yet some of these hollies still have berries on i noticed quite a few yeah. around and I, yeah. I wonder whether it's just they're distasteful or something like must that. be but, uh, yeah. yeah must be to, you know in terms of trees i think we need more of everything no, we need more native broadleaf woodland, yes. Mm. We need more rewilding and we need more conifers. Unfortunately, you know, we, we, we import 80% of our timber. We're the second largest timber importer on the planet after China. You know, if, yeah. if you don't grow conifers, you're only displacing, you know, the, the ecological mess that comes with that to another country. Yeah. You know, and, and I just don't think that's fair. And, you know, for a very long time we've needed... You know, a secure timber resource, and we've never had one. And I think mm. we should grow more conifers, but not here. Yeah, no, this isn't suitable. No. There are lots of argument where it would be suitable. I don't expect we're talking about the Cambrian Mountains and. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there are. I think there are still suitable sites. It's 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 a complex problem, but there are suitable sites. But I think we do need to grow more conifers as well as yeah. more broadleaf woodland and more rewilding. <laughs> but I guess once you've knocked the bracken down, that does at least reduce fire risk because oh, these hills go up in smoke the whole time well and I'm, I'm sure you did you see some of the forest fires over and towards Merthyr and uh, yeah. forest fires more fires towards Merthyr on the weekend yeah yeah, yeah it's really bad deliberately sadly I know sadly so one of the interesting things so so we had to cut the bracken on the hill before planting so last summer Keith with a what's called a bra mower, mower it's like a walk-up mower. So you're pushing it along. You're well, pushing it's it along. Slightly self-powered, is it? Or is it... Uh, no, you're, uh, yes, it's self-powered. Sorry, yeah. but you have to guide it. Yeah. You have to walk behind it. So it's a walk-up. And oh my goodness, on these slopes, everything yeah, is... yeah, at 35 degrees. And it's an amazing piece of machinery. It's German, you know, piece of uh, piece of German forestry equipment. And he, anyway, the the whole walk to cut the entire hill was 400 kilometers, just over 400 kilometers. Yeah, and he's going to do it every year for. Five years. 100 kilometres yeah. a year of yeah. bracken cutting. Yeah, of bracken cutting. What a hero. I oh, know, it's extraordinary. Uh... Not by his CBE, OBE and MBE. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite extraordinary. That is absolutely... <clears throat> so all of this has been cut by hand. Yeah. Yep. I suppose, I mean, cut by hand, cut by that... Well, I suppose you can't do it any other way. Isn't no. it? You could get a and and ju- just here. just on the wildfire thing, so the South Wales Fire and Rescue... Group, brigade, uh, force, force I think is the right word. They heard about what we were doing and they, they, for them, tree planting is one of the best ways that you can prevent moorland fires. So they, they, they are, they proactively support tree planting and they've got their own amazing bracken cutter, which they 
use in all sorts of instances, but particularly to get ahead of fires. So you cut bracken ahead right, of fire a fire. Breaks, fire yeah. break, exactly. Yeah. So they cut fire breaks with it. So they came up and gave us a hand in the summer cutting Did the bracken. Because yeah. oh, yeah. it reduces their yeah. call out. Exactly. Yeah. Were, yeah. So we've got a bird survey underway now. So this is where the Woodland Trust have been incredibly helpful. Yeah. So, you know, the bits that we just couldn't quite find the money for. Yeah. So the Woodland Trust paid for a baseline a flora assessment which was conducted last year and then we're going to use that data going forward and see how the see what comes up yeah see yeah. what comes up in the woodland and then they've also very kindly agreed to pay for lepidoptera and um bird surveys which are starting this month so you're gonna have moth traps up here yeah so uh, 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 chatwood andy karen from gwent wildlife trust is is doing the uh Bird and Lepidoptera survey. So, so that's a nice job. That is a nice job. I know, it's really probably, nice probably job. Probably really yeah. exhausting, but actually <laughs> yeah, really lovely. Well, he was up here at kind of five o'clock last last Wednesday or yeah. something, and he looked pretty battered by the time he came off the yeah. hill at about two in the afternoon. But had he found anything uh, particularly? You can hear the willow warblers. And, yes. Uh, so uh, he mentioned the wood warblers and the wind chats. You know, which are relatively interesting. Um, I mean, I think what you'd expect, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't get any waders up here anymore. No. I suppose. No. no. That may may you return, I guess. Well, God, I mean, it'd be lovely. So we know that there are. You probably know this, but there are nesting curlews in Stanton, yes. which is over yeah. that corner of the common. Yeah. And I, I I think that there are nesting curlews in a field just down here as well, off the south end of the common. Oh God, that'd be good yeah. to know. Yeah. yeah, we've got two maximum two pairs in Lamonath. Yeah. Uh, in the fields by the river. Yeah. Very, very precarious though. Yes. And really yeah. sort of, you know, one bad dog walker. I know. And that's yeah. the end of that. That's the end of that, yeah. Uh, but, uh, okay, so there's, there's potential, there's a residue of of a once common bird here. Yes, yeah. exactly. It would have been incredibly common, right? Yeah. And I mean, in every, in, in every on every farm, almost. It, within yeah. living memory, some yeah. of this yeah. stuff, isn't it? You know, within some of these old farmers would have seen Dozens of curlews up on these hills. Dozens. And and golden plovers. Yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. I, yeah. I have seen breeding gold, golden plovers in the Black Mountains. Have you? Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, uh, just one pair. But, oh, uh, oh, wow. I didn't I know that. I it for half an hour. Really? <laughs> so I could get my binoculars close enough to... Oh, brilliant. Uh, making a very strange call, but yeah, it was definitely... Yeah. Uh, this is great. So you've got this big project, which is going to return one of these hills. It'll be interesting to see what your farming neighbours make of it I over know. time and whether... Yeah. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see. And I think that, so, you know, in, in many ways, Keith's kind of secret weapon. So farmers are preternaturally resistant to change. Yeah. And, but, you know, Keith looks and sounds like them. So so they, they basically listen to him and... and trust him. Yeah, yeah. trust him. Uh, um, and... Uh, and that, that's so important, you know. I mean, as soon as, soon as I open my mouth, <laughs> everyone leaves the room. He's from Warwickshire. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or worse. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of sheep. Yes. So this side of the con, we're about to walk out of the plant site, and then we'll walk, walk up onto the top of yeah. the ridge, and then we'll walk down to the plant site again. And here, so that this whole side of the common has been left for grazing. So beyond, there's a sort of walled area with yeah. with some regen. So that's no, that's not regen. So that's Keith plant. pla Keith planted that three years ago. Okay, so that's doing all right. Doing good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you can see the cherry get away very well, don't they? Yeah, yeah, suddenly. The Actually, looking back at Sugarloaf, yeah. some of those lower shoulders of the hills looks like some of the trees are getting away there. So that apparently, I mean, I, I, you, you never quite, quite know uh, who's believed, but <laughs> legends of the hill. Yeah. yeah so, so legends of the hill. So the farmers around here tell me that that burst of natural regeneration took place during foot and mouth. Right. And That's twenty years ago, I know. So I'm not quite sure. And actually, the trees there are lots of different ages. The 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 one interesting observation about that is that almost every tree that you can see in that. So you know this this is the landscape that they call Frith in Wales or or Coca, no, Code Kai. Yeah. So Code Kai means wood field. Yeah. And and Frith, I don't know what the derivation of the word Frith is, but so North Wales they call it Frith, South Wales they call it Code Kokai, and it, it's what we in England might call wood pasture, but tends to be on very steep slopes. It's the interface between pasture and the moor. The moor. Yeah, yeah. And it's an incredibly important habitat. And in a way, that's what we're trying to create here on Brunaru. Yeah. But there, the only problem with that is, from my observation, is that almost every tree you can see is either holly or rowan. So they're, they're not that Incredibly cool. limited in biodiversity. And I don't know why the rowan... So obviously the holly, sheep don't eat. Mm. And the rowan, I don't know how it survives in the bracken, but it, it does. It it's gets mu away. Though. Much more effective at getting away than the ash or yeah. what, everything else you might expect up there. One of the interesting things when we were cutting the bracken is, you know, we found oak trees which were six foot long growing along the ground to get through the bracken. Yeah, so yeah. each year, successively, the bracken has fallen on them and, and they've just got longer and longer and longer and longer. And yeah, we came along with the mower and then, you know, you release them and hold, point them upright and... Off they go. Off they go, God, yeah. like Still the, alive. Amazing. Being raised from some sort of yeah. curse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So my kind of, you know, my, you know, if you, if you gave me an unlimited budget and rights to do what I wanted on a piece of land like that, I would fence it, exclude the sheep completely for a decade or 12 years and mix up the species, the tree species. But plant, you know, very randomly, just yeah. in little spots and control the bracken around those trees for the first few years. You just need to control the bracken above the tree. And once the it tree's got above the bracken, it's off. the bracken's had it. Yeah, yeah. Had it. excellent. OK, so there's... And then the other thing is, which is just an interesting point, is that all the stakes in the fence are sweet chestnut. So we haven't used any tannalised softwoods. It's all sweet chestnut. This is all new fence. Yeah. As well. Yeah. That was expensive. How many miles of fence is this? Uh, so I can't. I can't quite remember. <laughs> I think it's four point something. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But yeah, you can see in here. Yeah. It's a... Limited bracken control, but a little bit of buzzard being hounded by the ravens. Oh, ravens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ravens love this hill. Yeah. I can yeah. See. A lot of big birds in the sky here. Yeah. And I don't know quite why the ravens love this hill, but when we get, when you get a, you know, decent breeze from this direction, so from the west, you get uh, you know, ravens playing all the way. Playing along. in the wind. Yeah. How lovely. Yeah, on the hill. So nice. There's two buzzers, two ravens there, aren't they? Yeah. It's a sort of right, it's a proper dogfight. It is, isn't it? Yeah. You get some of that sound of those ravens.
With milder weather and longer days on the way, now is the time to dust off your hiking boots and enjoy the great British countryside. And wherever you go, whatever the terrain, Regatta Great Outdoors has the right footwear for any adventure. From grassy hills to rocky trails and even paved footpaths, there's a regatta shoe to suit your walking preferences. Discover lightweight trainers for day-to-day wear or walking shoes for multi-day hikes like the brand new Samaris 3. Combining comfort with performance, the Samaris 3 is available as a shoe and boot for both men and women and is ideal for all your hiking pursuits. Tech Foam InSock technology supports your foot, while an EVA midsole and shock-absorbing heel protects you from bumps along the way. Plus, it's waterproof and breathable, so your feet stay dry no matter the weather. Available to shop in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Croaking of the raven and the more elegant mewing of the buzzer. And the panting of the dog. What about some um, reptiles then? These sort of hills. Yeah, adders. You do get yeah. adders on here. We've yeah. never got adders on here, but they significantly like the southern end of the hill. So for the warmth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So all, and we haven't walked round there, but basically that whole end of the hill has been left unplanted. It's too steep. Okay. And uh, so it's gorse, amazing thickets of brambles, and you go into them, you basically need someone to come along behind you and cut you out. Okay. And they're really. So they have a. They have a. They protect the, the snakes, presumably. Yeah. yeah. And they and they they like it down there. And we know that. and We've seen them. So my wife saw one in the stream the other day, mm-hmm. and my son actually filmed one uh, this time last year. Okay. You know, basking in uh, on the, so, on the southern. So they're slope. here in in relatively okay numbers. Uh, relatively, I would say. I mean, I, I don't know a huge amount about them, but mm. I would say relatively okay numbers. Yeah. You know, it, it, this time of year, particularly, you don't have to wait very long and. Until you see one, yeah. yeah okay. So I think yes, I think they were okay, and 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 like I say, so I mean, so Keith's gone to exceptional lengths to ensure that the plant takes account of lots and lots of important factors, mm. and you know the adders are one of them because we know that they like the southern end of the hill, so, and and so no, no point shading them out. No, the trees and no. Um, and it would you know it would have been a Absolute nightmare to plant anyway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, good excuse you've got really, there. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, good we, excuse. The adders wouldn't let us. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we wanted to. <laughs> the adders were really good excuse. They were adamant. <laughs> so this this is obviously the up, we're out of the plant site now. And we're on to bare brackeny hills, which yeah. Keith hasn't knocked back or no. has he not, no. So well there there were vehicles going up the yeah. for the fence line. But this is what it looks like when it's uncut. So it's a monoculture of, yeah. of um... There's very little underneath it, um, unfortunately. And it, and it just accumulates over years to this, you know, amazing thick tilth. I mean, Keith's father was saying to us that when he was young, farmers used to plant their potatoes on the hill because the soil's that good. Because of all the potash. Yeah, yeah. The... yeah. Um, what? And, you know, and that, I mean, that's good news for us planting trees. There's a ton. Oh, well, yeah, so Rob is now tearing into a, yeah. a, a, a sort of tump. And this is what I was saying about... It's like... So you're still in bracken tilt and we've gone down... Potting compost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gone in about sort of eight inches deep. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Amazingly and good that's soil. that's good fertile... Really, hill really, soil. yeah. Let's have a feeling of that. I'm going to have a smell of it as well. Yeah. Gold under yeah. bracken, they used to say. Really? Yeah, so... 
So yes, so Mel, Keith's father, he remembers planting farmers planting their potatoes up here. And that would have knocked the bracken back. Yeah, but that you know that was the one thing you didn't want to fail. So you planted it in the best soil. Yeah. That was your staple, I suppose. Yeah. So why, why have people stopped planting potatoes? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's cheaper to go to the garden centre and buy some peat compost. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still. <laughs> Still, yeah. Extraordinary. Yeah, um, well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's, that's a... That's a... Oh, here we go, some skylarks. Oh, there we go. Dizzy staring up at the sky. Fantastic. Quite interesting looking at the different sort of habitats and yeah. little blocks of native woodland. Yes, so little blocks of native woodland here. This is a lovely wood, predominantly oak and that I think so that's really interesting. Around here, particularly around the sugarloaf, there's an awful lot of sessile oak woodland, mm. which has a magic about it. And very few other species in there. And that woodland over there, which goes around the north side of Sugarloaf Mountain, yeah. that's almost exclusively sessile oak. And this here at the end of the dairy, yep. so overlooking, you know that yeah, woodland yeah. well, that's almost exclusively sessile as well. Mm. Um, and then you get these, I mean, this is one of the features of the Black Mountains that I absolutely adore, is you get these ribbons of alder. So basically every tree in that ribbon along the stream there, that's the Arrow Stream, is alder. Slightly purplish. Yeah, exactly. So it's just losing its winter purple hue now. But that, you know, it's the first sign in, in winter that things are changing is the, those ribbons go purple. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, actually, it looks like it's sort of funneling down from, yeah. from a, from, presumably from a spring up there. That's so. right, yeah. He will come sit with us. And what's his name? This Pat Wiggins. Wiggins? Yeah. Bradley Wiggins or just yeah, Wiggins? Yeah, no, we got him during the uh, Tour de France at Wiggins. You're also won. a keen cyclist <laughs> and, cy and a cycling writer. And, yeah. yeah, so. And very keen cyclist, yeah. So we called him, I, I made that fatal mistake of engaging my children in what the dog would be named. So we ended up with Wiggins. Wiggins is, is, and he's having a good sniff. There we go. That's some good, <laughs> good dog sniffing audio. Um, so this side of Brunei, you've got pretty amazing views. So right in front of us, we've got Skirid Hill. Yeah. Skirid Vach. Well-known landmark. Yeah. It's cleft, yeah. And it's, which you can't see the cleft from here. It's very sort of... That yeah, odd little extra bit. it's strange, isn't Probably it? Straight ahead yeah. of us, isn't straight it? ahead of us, exactly. And a really lovely woodland. I don't even know that woodland. Yeah, by the I haven't trust. explored it much, but yeah. I know I know of it. I know it's quite good sort of red starts. And yeah, red that's right. Yeah. yeah, it's a really lovely piece of woodland. Again, you know that is something that one hopes Bonaire might, might resemble. Aspirational woodland. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Just mm. like a little sort of fluffy blanket on the slopes. You can see the Bristol Channel. So Newport is okay. down there. You can just about see the chimneys of Newport. Yeah. And you can see the Bristol Channel and then whatever's on the other side of that. That's Devon, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's pretty good place to come and get some perspective on yeah. the world. And then straight ahead, you know, looking directly so we're looking, east. Yeah. Almost directly east. You can see May Hill above. Is this May Hill here? Uh, no, yeah, so in, in, immediately here, yeah. that's the Greg, and the then Greg. Garway Hill, yeah. which has got a big common on the top. And then, you, but if you look 
just to the right oh, of yeah, yeah. the grave, the tiny little sort of nipple, yes. that's the copse on top of May Hill. And that's Forest, above Gloucester. Forest of Dean. Or, or uh, yeah, the yeah. End, right on the edge of Forest of Dean, above Gloucester. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then just through the clouds, sort of looking northeast, see the Morvans. Yes, I can see them. Yeah, yeah, and then you yeah. can't quite see it today, but on a very good clear day, you can see the Wenlock Edge from here. It's pretty amazing because it's not one of the tallest hills, but actually it's got fun because it's, it's, it's on its own. So you do have pretty yeah. good panorama. Yeah, of, um, quite, exactly. Quite a lot of the other hills have got a big sort of ridge that runs away and you don't get a chance to see quite so far. But exactly. This, yeah, this is a very doable hill. For yeah. And I think the, uh, another, so just going back to the plant, so yeah. the trees will not interfere with the view on the ridge. Did you get any pushback from that? A little, did, did, did a little bit. Did people sort of say, oh, I don't want our views obscured with... Uh, yeah, uh, no, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, some people were, are worried that you, <laughs> in planting trees here, you're taking away public access to right. this piece of the common land. But actually, we would argue that we're giving it back. So by controlling it, so it's so steep, and the bracken and brambles are so thick through here that I promise you nobody ever walked here. You yeah. know, occasionally I did in the, in the you know, 18 years that I lived here. Occasionally, but really you never went there um, from May until... October, October, yeah, really, yeah. Yeah. No, or even, I know even later. Say, there are plenty of places which you just lose. Um, yeah. When I lived on Blorange, there were some lovely footpaths, but they just disappear under the bracket. Exactly. And, and we um, think that by planting trees here, people will be able to walk under the trees and through the trees. And so actually you're giving public access back to a part of the common. Well, Rob and I carried on chatting on top of that hill for a lot longer. That seemed like a good time to finish the podcast. I was really moved by this incredible project and how the passion and hard work of just a few people was making a degraded landscape so much more welcoming for wildlife, but also how they've managed to encourage the farmers, the commoners, the landowners to enthusiastically embrace the idea. And I'm really grateful to Rob for showing me around and sharing his delight for all things wild. You can find out much more about the project at the website stumpupfortrees.org. And don't miss Rob's latest book, Slow Rise, a bread-making adventure, where he learns how to sow, harvest, thresh and mill his own wheat in order to bake bread for his family. Great book, and that's published by Penguin. So now we're going to take a break for a couple of weeks before returning with our new season of podcasts called Histories and Mysteries of the Countryside. It's going to be great. But you can always contact me, Fergus Collins, at editor at countryfile.com. And don't forget to tune in to our sound escapes which are beautiful, relaxing sound adventures in nature, which we publish every Friday. You've been listening to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast, produced in Bristol by Jack Bateman. Thanks so much for tuning in and goodbye. Whether it's gloriously sunny or a spring downpour, you can always get outdoors with regatta. So what are you waiting for? Find a route, grab your walking shoes and start exploring. Regatta Great Outdoors offers all types of performance footwear, from technical hiking boots for regular ramblers to durable walking shoes for the whole family. With waterproof and breathable qualities, shock-absorbing comfort and superior grip, Regatta footwear is designed to withstand whatever challenges Mother Nature throws your way. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com.